We're actually in week three of our current series called All Is Not Lost, and we've been speaking about this idea, this concept about how God really does like you, He loves you, and He's for you. I mean, like, no matter who you are, where you're from, what your background is, what your history says about you, no matter about any of those things, God likes you, God loves you, and he is absolutely for you. So if you leave knowing one thing this weekend after having been with us here at Liverpool One Church, we want you to know that, look, God likes you, he loves you, and he is for you. Now look, it is bank holiday weekend, and that means that the sun is shining, right? Now for many of you, that may mean that that means that there are chores to be done at home, you know? Anybody got the lawnmower out and gone and started on the garden, or been sweeping down the drive, or maybe started some painting or decorating? I'm sure that many of you, especially you wives, have already got an agenda lined up for your husbands tomorrow. It's like, you know that they're off, so you're going to present the list of like, this is what I want you to achieve tomorrow, right? You know, when it comes to DIY, I've got to be honest and say, it's not really my forte. I mean, like, I'll do a bit because I kind of have to do a bit, but it's not something that I enjoy at all. In fact, it kind of just infuriates me. Often, it puts me in a downright bad mood. That's what DIY does to me. But I can remember when I was working in the police a number of years ago, I had this friend, his name was Chris, And I was having this conversation with him on this particular day, and he was telling me about how he had great plans to redecorate his flat. His girlfriend had moved in with him, and he was adamant that he wanted to make it, you know, just brilliant. So he'd come up with this design of wallpaper, and he was going to re-wallpaper his entire flat, but especially making his living room quite exceptional. And I was having this conversation, and he was telling me all about his DIY plans, and he made this statement that I found a little bit peculiar, if I'm honest, but nevertheless, it's what he said. Uh, He kind of came out, and he said, you know, as I've been getting ready to wallpaper the wall, I've noticed that there's like a step out in my living room wall. And he said, I really think that there's a secret room behind the wall. And I was saying to him, wow, what makes you think that there's a secret room? He goes, well, why else would there be this step in the wall? He said, I think there's gonna be a secret room. Now, there was one part of my brain right there and then that was like giving off these red flashing warning signs saying like, encourage him to be cautious with the secret room because it might not be what he thinks. But then there's another part of my brain that pretty much rules my life and that's the part of my brain that says, yeah, but this might be really funny. So I said to him, hey, listen, why don't you like knock through into the secret room? Because like, we wanna know what's in there, right? And he's going, yeah, but I'm not too sure how I should go about doing it. And I said to him, hey, listen, like your new girlfriend, she would be like so impressed if you like just created a room out of nowhere. I mean, like seriously, that would elevate you to legend status. And he's going, do you think? I was like, heck yeah, Chris, you should do it tonight. Like you need to get home, get in the flat, take the wall down and find out what's in the secret room. The conversation ended and a few days later, I bumped into him again and I was like, hey Chris, how's the decorating and and how's the secret room? Like what was in it? And his face was like thunder and his arms were folded like this. I said, Chris, come on, tell me what was in the secret room. And he just goes, next door's kitchen. (laughs) 
I mean, there and then, he totally experienced what it's like to just get something wrong. <laughs> Could you imagine his girlfriend coming home and he's like, surprise! <laughs> we now live with our neighbors. This is awkward. <laughs> you know, though, I think every single one of us knows what it's like when something doesn't go according to plan, though. I mean, check out this guy. This guy decided that he was going to earn his family a living and he wanted to go dig in his garden because he'd received a metal detector for a present. So he went out and he was adamant that he was going to find some treasure. What he found, though, when he walked out of his house is he went onto his front yard and the, front, the metal detector started to beep and like give off the signal to say that it's found something. So he started to dig, but he dug a 12-foot deep hole only to realize that he'd been digging after the metal detector had been activating as a result of the steel toe cap in his shoe. I mean, there was no jewelry there, no treasure. I mean, that guy knew exactly what it was like right there and then to experience a plan not working out how he thought. What about this guy? This guy's a skateboarding dude and he likes to go to the skate park. I mean, that didn't go according to plan right there, did it? That was a bit of a screw up. I mean, what about this one? This poor guy, anybody like animal lovers in church today? I mean, like, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe someone got a dog. Anybody got a cat? Yeah. yeah. I think that cats are of the devil. <laughs> and this, this video right here goes to show why. Look at this guy, he's a cat lover and he's trying to do the right thing. All he wants to do is take his cat for a walk. It's just dawned on me there, it's like, maybe the cat's dead. <laughs> you know, or what about this one? Anybody into keep fit? These guys are into keep fit, but this wrestling tutorial didn't quite go according to plan. Watch the background. <laughs> I mean, that didn't go according to plan. Or what about this one? All you dog lovers, here's one for you. <laughs> that dog right there, he was out on Bold Street last night till 3 a.m. You know, I think the same thing is true for each and every one of us, though. We all know exactly what it's like to have a plan in our life not go according to plan. Every single one of us knows exactly what it's like to have a dream or an aspiration about the way things are going to be and then experience like the polar opposite of that. What's funny though, is that we can sometimes think that bad stuff only happens to bad people. But I think that every single one of us is living proof that actually crazy things can sometimes happen to incredibly good people. Some of you are amazing people and yet you still live and wrestle with the tension and the pain and the hurt and the struggle of maybe some things in your past, some things in your history just simply not going according to plan. I mean, it leaves you frustrated. It leaves you stressed, it can leave you broken. It can leave you feeling like it just doesn't seem to you as though there's any clear route map forward. I mean, what do you do in those times and seasons when it feels to you like all hope is gone because nothing is going according to plan? You know what's interesting is that this affects us all in many different ways. If you've ever prayed a prayer, then chances are you know what it's like to have prayed a prayer up to God and it could have been about anything and yet at times you've been left with the frustration of the, and the pain 
of it feeling to you like God's just simply not answered your prayer. I mean, maybe you've been praying about a particular thing. Maybe you've been praying about a particular somewhat. Maybe you've been praying about a health situation that's been going on. And you're like praying that God, that the scan result wouldn't show that. Or you're praying that the medication would work. Or you're praying that the operation would be successful. And yet you still know exactly what it's like to pray those prayers. And yet at times, still see sick people not get well again. Like your loved ones who you've prayed for, they don't always make a full recovery. You've got this unanswered prayer going on because it feels to you like God isn't willing to play according to your plan. I mean, not only does it affect us in our health, but it can affect us in every area of our life. I mean, just think for all of you parents right now. Anybody pray to God a prayer about their son and their daughter? Like, God, would you just stop him doing that? I mean, would you just like make her stop being that way? And then the more you pray to God about it, the more it feels to you like the whole thing's getting worse. And you're just like, well, this isn't going to plan. It's infuriating. So now because you think that God doesn't respond to your prayers in the way that you had hoped, in the way that you had trusted, soon you start to develop this trust problem. So now you don't even want to pray to God because what's the point of praying to him if the plan never works out? Like, what's the point in praying and asking God to move and do something? Because according to you, it just seems like the plan doesn't work. I mean, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. And maybe you're just in church today checking things out. Hey, we're so glad you're here, like I've already said. But you too know exactly what this pain and tension is like as well. You know what it's like to be infuriated on the day that you receive notice that you're going to be made redundant. You're like, well, what do you do now? And now all of a sudden it feels like someone's taken hold of your world and turned the whole thing upside down. Now you've got all of these monetary concerns and worries going on. You've got the mortgage to pay. The rent's going to go out. You've got children that are in school and you're going to maybe find another job, but it's not going to pay the same rate as what you were previously on. And now you just feel like, man, this is not going according to plan as far as my career is concerned. I mean, this has just gone entirely off piste and off track right now. What am I supposed to do with that? For some of you who are in work, you still experience the same problems too, though, because you can be in work and yet still get infuriated by the fact that the contract doesn't get signed on time, or someone at the very last minute changes all the terms and conditions, and it's no longer an appealing opportunity. You know what it's like to be frustrated when you're in work, but you can't get the promotion that you desperately want and yearn for. It feels to you like your work life, when it comes to your career, that you just simply can't make the plan come to fruition. Or maybe your frustration is the fact that you've just been unable to get work. The right job, the right place, the right time, the right person has just never come across your way and you're just like, is this how it's gonna be for me now, forever? I mean, seriously, why does it feel like this plan is just not working? I mean, relationally, we all struggle with the same thing too. Maybe right now, the biggest relational problem that you've got going on in your world is just because it feels to you like there's no relationship. Like you're desperate to find a life partner. You're desperate for a boyfriend, for a girlfriend, for a husband and a wife. And the more you see everybody else hooking up and get it going on, it feels to you like, man, am I the only one here that's left single? I mean, am I going to be left on the shelf? I mean, and you pray about that. You talk to God about that. But it feels to you like God's just not responsive to your prayers. And as far as you're concerned, your relational plan is just not working. And that makes you stressed out and infuriated. Or maybe you're in the relationship and that's the problem. You're in the relationship. 
I mean, sure, it started out great. It started out amazing. I mean, he was Mr. Prince Charming and she was Miss Cool and Exciting. You were both so much fun together and relationally, it was just amazing. But now, it just feels like your entire life just swings between the pendulum of just minor petty arguments and World War III. You know, kind of like nuclear-sized walls between the pair of you. And it's not even that it's her fault or that it's his fault. It's just relationally, you're just not a good mix and it's not going on the way that you had hoped. And you're looking back and you're thinking, it used to be amazing, but now it's not like the plan isn't working. This isn't how it was supposed to be. And everyone else just seems to have it going on relationally. Or maybe the problem in your family is just that you're not able to gain control of the kids. Or maybe even the pain and the frustration is that you just can't have kids and you desperately want kids. And it feels to you that there are just certain parts of your life that just aren't playing the game. They're not running according to the plan, and every single one of us knows exactly what it's like to deal with the pain and the tension and the anxiety of when life doesn't run according to plan. You know what I love about the scriptures, the Bible, and we are gonna get there at some point, I promise, but what I absolutely love about the scriptures is contained within these holy documents, there are these actual factual accounts, these events that took place, and they're full of people that are just like you and me. I mean, honestly, the same emotions that you feel, the same things that drive you mad, they felt too. I mean, they suffered with the same kind of stresses and anxieties and frustrations when they wanted their life to be in one place, but it felt like their life was in a totally contrasting place. It's like so easy for us to find characters that we can just relate to. I think that on Easter Sunday, I think that every single one of us would be able at some point to relate to the story of two specific individuals that were going to look at their lives in a short moment. But these were people who the scriptures recount as being disciples. In other words, they were the people that followed God. They were the people that followed Jesus. Like where Jesus went, they would go. Everything that Jesus had done, they had witnessed and they had watched and they'd seen many of the miracles that he had conducted firsthand. I mean, they had seen Jesus show kindness and compassion to people that society just wanted to disregard. They had seen Jesus conduct miracles of healings, brought people back to life, broken lives made whole again. I mean, when they walked with Jesus, it was just incredible. I mean, the crowds would come and flock and gather around Jesus to see who he was and what he was doing. And they believed that Jesus was the one and only son of the one and only God. They believed that Jesus was going to be their savior. He was going to be the savior of the entire nation of Israel. Because for many years, these Israelite people, they'd lived under Roman oppression and Roman rule. They'd been dictated to by the Roman authorities, and they hated it. It was not going according to plan for them. So in Jesus, they found a savior. They saw somebody that they thought was going to be their Messiah. He was going to put all the wrongs right. He was going to fix all of this. And why wouldn't they believe that? When you think about all the miracles that they had witnessed Jesus doing, I mean, when they'd witnessed things that are impossible to happen actually happen, why would you not put your faith and trust in Jesus? But then... On one day, 
Good Friday. All of their hopes and dreams were dashed in an instant. They experienced firsthand exactly what it was like to have a plan not go according to plan. Because now this Jesus that they'd been putting all of their hope in, they'd seen him arrested by these Roman soldiers. He was detained and taken to an unlawful court. His body was beaten, and I mean badly beaten, to the point at which you could describe it as being within an inch of his life. And then they saw his body pierced with nails before he was hung on a cross. Crucifixion. Without doubt, one of the most brutal and horrific ways that anybody could die. And this was not a way of death that was created by the Romans, but it was perfected by the Romans. Bodies would be hung six or seven inches off the ground with large piercing nails through your wrists and through your feet in full view of everybody around you who would come and sneer and shout and humiliate you. This was their savior that they were watching crucified by the people that they were hoping were going to be saved from. It was not going according to plan. They weren't expecting this. Everything was going wrong, and they were hopeless. So a few days later, these two followers of Jesus, one whose name was Cleopas, they're confused, they're downbeat, they're depressed, they're downtrodden. They decide that they're going to make this journey away from Jerusalem and head to this town called Emmaus that's approximately seven miles away. Because they're just like at this season and stage in life where they're like, I just don't know what to do anymore. Like, anybody ever felt that? Ever, ever, anybody ever been there before? Like, I just don't know what's the best thing to do. I just don't know what's the best route forward. I'm not, I've got some options, but they don't feel like great options. I don't know anymore what's best for me to do. Well, that's exactly the place in life that these two followers of Christ were at when they make this trip. But then, without them even realizing at first, the risen Jesus Christ walked on this dusty path alongside them. And that's where we're going to pick up this story from Luke 24, verse 13. It reads this. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. I just want you to stop and pause right there. Can I just tell you this? That for me, sometimes people say to me like, hey, why are you a Christian? Hey, why do you follow Jesus? Hey, can you just explain to me why do you believe in God? I mean, there are many passages of Scripture that point to the fact that I want to talk to you about, but contained within that passage of Scripture right there, there is the reason why I follow Jesus There right there is the reason why I'm a Christian. It's because after these disciples had seen Jesus' body beaten and crucified, he did not stay in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. The reason why I follow Christ is because God brought him back to life. And the truth is, I don't know 
anybody else that's ever done that or even professed to do that. That right there is the reason why I'm a Christian, because I believe in the actual and factual accounts that are contained within these forensic books called the Gospels of these eyewitness accounts who are not writing a Bible story. No, no, they're writing something way more significant than a story. They were trying to chronologically order all of the events of Jesus' life. And when Luke says, hey, listen, Jesus started to walk alongside them, how did that even happen if he was not risen from the dead? Right there is the reason why I have hope in Jesus, because he's the only one to have ever been brought back to life after being dead for a number of days. That's why I put my hope in him, because he rose from the dead. The grave couldn't keep him down. Verse 17 goes on. He asked them, so this is Jesus now. It's incredible. He's like having this conversation with these guys who've like been so intrigued by his entire life up to this point, and they don't even recognize that it's Jesus. So Jesus asks them this question. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. Highlight that word if you've got a Bible or make a note of that word because it tells us about their disposition. It tells us what they're feeling. It tells us what their emotions are like. Their faces were downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And then Jesus just asks this question. I just think this is genius. He kind of goes like, what things? And it's like, no, no, Jesus, this happened to you. And it's not because Jesus doesn't know. It's actually because Jesus wants to know what they think they know. And he says, well, what things? You know, about Jesus of Nazareth they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Verse 21, the most important verse of the scripture that we're reading. But we had hoped. Highlight that verse. Again, it's reiterating their current disposition. It tells us about what they're feeling. It tells us about what their emotional state was like. We had hoped hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. In other words, we'd hoped that Jesus was the answer, but we've just seen him killed on a cross. We do the same thing. We'd hoped that if we prayed to God that he wouldn't get sick. We'd hoped that if we just prayed and asked God to look after my child and then something goes crazy wrong. We've prayed and we've asked God to keep us in the job, and then you find out that you're made redundant. We've prayed and we've asked and we've pleaded with God to like not let that go the way that it goes. We know exactly what it feels like to have hoped, to have been in a place in life where it feels like just nothing is going according to plan. It tells us that the disciples were just like us. But the question is, what does this mean for us? I mean, we know that they were without hope. We know that their plan wasn't working. But what does it mean for us? You see, there is one simple truth that we can all take from the knowledge contained within this story. And it's this, that when Jesus rose back to life from the cross, it's interesting that we see him walking alongside on a dirty, dusty road those that were downcast and had lost all hope. 
Now, I've got to be honest. If I were Jesus, I wouldn't have done that. Like, if I were Jesus, if I were the risen one and only son of the one and only God, and if I had been unlawfully arrested, and if I had been put before an unlawful court, and if I had been beaten to within an inch of my life, and if I had been placed on a crucifix, on a crucifix and died and then thrown into the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, if that had happened to all of me, and then a few days later, my father in heaven had brought me back to life again, I'd tell you exactly what I would do. I would be all over Instagram going, surprise, I is back. I'd have been straight down to Jerusalem temple and I'd have been getting all of the religious leaders there on that day and I was going, you thought that you could keep me down, you thought that you could take away all that God has placed within me, but you were wrong, you got that wrong. I mean, I would have literally been knocking on Pilate's door. I would have been saying, hey, remember me, got me? I was the guy that you gave the order to be killed on a cross, do you remember me? I mean, that's what I would have been doing. I'd have found any rooftop. I'd have gone looking for any audience and there would have been an audience because the crowds were following Jesus before the crucifixion. Could you imagine how much the crowds would have followed and gathered him and listened to to his story now? I mean, this thing would have gone viral in a day. It was crazy. And yet Jesus didn't choose to go to any of the high places, to the religious leaders, to the religious scholars, to the council or to the Roman authorities. He didn't choose to do any of that at all. What he chose to do was walk on a dirty, dusty, road to come alongside those that were broken, downcast, and without hope. Those that felt their entire life was now spiraling out of control because nothing was going according to plan. And it's not as though Jesus didn't have options because he had options. He could have gone to the local synagogue. He could have gone to the local court. He could have gone and had these conversations with people in good standing and high influential places. And yet what we see is he chose the dusty road to walk with the downcast and the disappointed. The story goes on, and we're not going to read it for time's sake, but eventually these two guys, they realize that it was Jesus the risen Jesus that was stood in front of them. And now they started to realize firsthand. Now they started to see the same thing that others had experienced also. They knew that they were with Jesus. This was Jesus who had shown grace and kindness and mercy and compassion to the criminal that was hanging on the cross that was never ever gonna have any opportunity to put anything right in his life and yet Jesus was kind and compassionate towards him. They were now on the receiving end of that grace and that mercy as he walked alongside them as they were downcast and depressed on that dirty and dusty road. They now experienced the same kind of grace that Jesus had given towards Peter when he told him, hey, Peter, even though you're going to deny me three times, then whatever you do, don't let your heart be troubled. Even though you're going to feel like all hope has gone and nothing good can ever come from this, whatever you do, Peter, don't let your heart be troubled. And now it wasn't just a story for them. Now it wasn't just something that they'd been able to hear somebody else tell them. Now it was something that they were experiencing firsthand. Now they were experiencing the same thing, that Jesus had showed kindness and compassion and care 
towards the woman that was caught in adultery when she was grabbed and thrown on a dusty road before him with his, her accusers stood adjacently wanting judgment and persecution and death to be brought to her. It was Jesus that got in the middle and got down in the dust and said, no, no, hang on a minute. Let you that is without sin, you cast the first stone. He was saying, no, 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 no. It's not the way that this is gonna go because this girl right now, she feels like she has no options and in you, there are no options, but in me, I'm gonna say to her, then let her walk away from this situation without any element of judgment being poured out towards her. They were now experiencing the same thing that Zacchaeus was experiencing. Zacchaeus was the tax collector, the one that was ripping off all of his friends and his family, depriving them of their greatest attribute as they would see it, finances. And yet it was Jesus that spoke and called to Zacchaeus, the one that society despised and told him to come down from the tree. Now they were experiencing this same sense of hope being given to them in the way that Jesus had brought hope to Zacchaeus. Or we could talk about many more. We could talk about the blind beggar in Luke 18. He was the man who was without hope. He couldn't see. And on the day that Jesus, the religious rabbi, came walking by, all the crowd and all the people said, shush, be quiet, don't interrupt the rabbi. He's like an important man, he's an important figure. And it was Jesus that got down in the dust and in the dirt and healed him and gave him and restored to him not only sight for his eyes, but hope for his soul. Or we could talk about the woman with the issue of blood and because she was bleeding, it meant that she was ceremonially unclean. In other words, she wouldn't have even been allowed in the church. They would have banned her, they would have barred her. And on the day that Jesus was walking through town, you find him walking on dirty and dusty roads, giving time and kindness and care and compassion towards one that nobody else ever would have done. You see, when Jesus rose from the grave, he didn't rise from the dead to keep company with kings. He rose from the dead to walk alongside the hopeless. He rose from the grave to walk alongside those that maybe at times have just feel, felt that sense of like, well, my life's just not running according to plan right now. Actually, if I'm honest, it's not been running according to plan for a long time. I mean, for you, it might be something different to what it's like for your neighbor right now, but Jesus came for people just like us that know that without God in our life, we're just a screw up, right? We know that we're imperfect. Jesus didn't come so that we could live perfect life. We, we, he came so that we could serve a perfect God. So as the band sing this song over you, you can just remain seated for a moment. My prayer all week has been this, that if you feel like you have no hope, that if you feel like all hope has gone, if you feel like nothing's going according to plan, then I want you leaving knowing this one thing. God likes you loves you and he's for you and he demonstrates that by choosing to walk alongside 